This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by 420 friendly service providers in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory. If you need professional help with your business, from accounting to legal services to consulting, marketing, payment processing, or insurance, visit gondrepreneur.com slash businesses to find service providers who specialize in helping cannabis entrepreneurs like you. Visit the Gondrepreneur Business Directory today at gondrepreneur.com slash businesses. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Uh, today, I'm joined by a woman that really doesn't need my introduction. She's Mara Gordon. She's the co-founder of California-based Aunt Zelda's Zelda Therapeutics, the oil plant where Aunt Zelda's oils are manufactured, and Cala Spring Wellness. How are you doing this afternoon, Mara? I am wonderful. How are you, TG? I am quite well. Really excited uh, to have you uh, on the podcast. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, uh, but before we sort of get into all the meat of, the, of uh, what you've been doing, which is quite a lot, uh, tell me about yourself and how you ended up in the cannabis space. Well, I, uh, I originally, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, uh, came to California in the early 90s, um, searching for better weather. <laughs> and um, uh, I was a process engineer. I worked in tech. And uh, then I had health issues that took me out of the workforce completely. And um, uh, about nine years ago, I was fortunate enough to find cannabis. And I, I'm sure we'll get into that uh, further. Um, and uh, it changed my life. And I hope it's, it's for the positive changed a lot of other lives since then with the work I've been doing. So, so you have all of these companies, you know, we were sort of chatting before and you're like, you know, I, I've been busy and it's quite apparent. Uh, tell me about uh, each of the companies briefly and, and how they work together. Okay. I, back in, uh, I guess early 2011, and I was, I was trying to figure out how are we going to take cannabis from being this plant that I, I hear referred to everything from having magical properties <laughs> to, um, you know, reefer madness and the way to hell. How are we going to turn it into something that's an actual medicine that doctors feel comfortable dosing uh, for their patients, just like any other drug? And so what I, I figured out was we had to have uh, well-understood lab-tested medicines that we understood the cannabinoids and terpenes, et cetera, that were in it. So that's why I started Aunt Zelda's to make oils um, so that we could use those with patients. I started uh, Cala Spring Wellness to train doctors and nurses in the endocannabinoid system so that they could then utilize uh, the data and what that we were picking up from the patients with, from Aunt Zelda's and utilize that to treat other patients. Uh, accumulated a lot of data, built a, a SaaS platform, uh, basically a... Um, an electronic health record system for collecting the data and, and continue uh, to validate it, to make it smarter for what works for what diseases. And then Zelda Therapeutics was a natural uh, next step from that. And that is a biopharma company out of Australia and where we uh, fund preclinical and clinical trials uh, so that we then are taking the anecdotal and, and validating it in, with real solid science. 
um, the oil plant was because after Prop 64 and the old uh, mutual benefit nonprofit corporation model that we had under under the Compassionate Use Act from 96 went away. And all of a sudden we all had to have these licenses and we all had to have all these type six and type seven and all these things. So I started the oil plant because that's where I make oil. And I and Aunt Zelda's then just became, you know, a quote unquote brand because it wasn't a company anymore. And it's the brand that, that obviously that we make under the oil plant. So you mentioned uh, your work in Australia. And I mean, it's obvious why you wouldn't do that sort of work in the United States. It's, it's damn near impossible. Uh, but why would you end up in Australia as opposed to, say, Canada? Well, I think Canada is a lot of noise personally. <laughs> I, I watch what's going on in Canada and I'm Canada and it's like, you know, it reminds me of when Uruguay went uh, legal and it was like the first in the world and they were going to dominate. And then yeah. Uruguay kind of disappeared. You know, uh, Canada would fit in, Can in California. They don't have the type of um, genetics that we have here. They don't have the type of manufacturing uh, capabilities. And they also, at the time I was doing this, uh, it wasn't legal in Canada. I started Zelda Therapeutics in 2015. And uh, the ability to do clinical trials in Australia is not only uh, available with our partnerships with various hospitals and universities, but the government goes so far as to give us rebates for the research dollars that we spend on these clinical trials. So it just was a it was a perfect storm. Can you tell me what uh, the research uh, you're working on down there is focused on, and and maybe what have been some of the major barriers? Well, uh, what we're working on right now is um, well, we have uh, in our preclinical work, we're funding research around the world. For example, the breast cancer research that we're doing with uh, doctors Christina Sanchez, Manuel Guzman's team at Complutense University in Spain. We're working on pancreatic work in Italy. We're um, doing some collaborative work with Ethan Russo um, on um, some other things. And in Australia in particular, we're in phase two on an insomnia uh, clinical trial, uh, which is very, very exciting. And uh, we're also um, doing an observational, uh, excuse me, we're doing a clinical harm reduction study for opioids. So uh, using cannabis. So that's going on there. Some of the biggest barriers are, is that we can't manufacture these products in Australia. We have to import them and they have to be GMP. Well, there's not a lot of places that that's possible. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, go find me a rock. You bring in a rock and it's like, no, not that rock, another rock. Well, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a, at a, a an asphalt field, which fricking rock do you want? Right. So, uh, <laughs> right. So that's kind of how it is with what's considered good enough or the, or, and then finding the consistent product. We were fortunate that we were able to partner with, Papa in Germany to provide the formulations that we designed for the trials. The insomnia trial uh, in particular is exciting for me because it's a formulation that I created at Aunt Zelda's in California. And uh, we call it nighttime here is, is one of our regular products that's available to all of our patients, you know, here now. Um, and then this is the validation of that formula in actual trials so that you know, I'm looking forward to the day when I can actually make a medical claim 
and ha- can't in, and not just you know sharing my own experience or saying, well, you know, some people have said, you know, blah blah blah. So um, that's kind of where that's going. That that is very very exciting, and insomnia is something that a lot of uh, people struggle with. Uh, I'm I'm sure. Um, oh yeah. How, how do you? How do you manage to manage uh, all of these firms? Uh, and, and what do you look for when building teams to you know, run these businesses on the ground? What I look for is, uh, number one, people smarter than me in whatever, the, certainly in whatever <laughs> position they're in. Because, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the, you know, the, the visionary of it all. Uh, I'm the one that connects all the pieces and makes sure that everybody has the tools they need to do their work. But from after that, I'm a macro manager. I let people know what the goal is, where we're going, and as far as I'm concerned, how they get there um, uh, within obvious <laughs> certain uh, parameters um, is is fine with me. You know, I know my way, but maybe your way is going to be better. So let's let's talk about that. Let's give it a shot. The other thing is uh, the type of people who have joined uh, my organizations have an ethos that's very, very closely aligned with mine. And that is that this is all about helping people and being of service so that when, you know, we fall off this earth, the world is a better place because we've been in it. And when that's the ethos in a company, and that's when, you know, um, I was listening to our lab director uh, um, who is just this amazing uh, gentleman. And he's been with us for about five and a half years now. And when I was listening to him give a tour to somebody, oh, somebody I know it was, we were having our annual inspection from the bank because we were able to get banking. And now I actually sit on the board of the uh, of the bank, which is pretty amazing. No I know, way. right. First one in the United States sits on a <laughs> board of a bank and I own, you know, multiple cannabis businesses, right? Who, who would have thunk? Right. But anyway, I was listening to him going through this tour um, uh, and he said, when we're making medicine and the, cause they were, they were commenting how incredibly clean our place is. He said, what our marching orders are is we're making medicine for our own family and our family members have no immune system because they're so sick and the medicine we make is what they're going to put in their bodies. That's the that's the point of view and the ethos that we have with everything that we do. And when you start from a place like that, I mean, how much how much uh, oversight do I need to do? Right. You know, I hire competent bookkeeper, competent, you know, a manufacturer, competent, competent distributors, uh, competent doctors and nurses. You know, if you get the right people around you, the Zelda therapeutics team, for example, um, I don't know. How, I don't know. You know, it's listed on the ASX. In fact, we just announced a couple of days ago a merger with Alira Therapeutics out of Pennsylvania. So now it's going to be this big global thing. Um, that's not my world. I mean, I don't understand running a, you know, a, a, a biopharma talking to investors and all that. That's a completely different world. But the people that I have that are doing it with me, it is their world. And they do understand, have those conversations. And I trust them to have them without me having to judge one way or the other, whether, whether they're right or wrong, as long as we stay on the right trajectory. Do you, when, when, when you are interviewing people or, or you're, you know, providing these sort of opportunities, do you have a lot of people come in and then, you know, get sort of scared off by, by the cannabis uh, business industry? Are you talking about us coming to me to work for us as staff? Or yeah, uh, absolutely not. I mean, I have 
I have, I can't, it's, it's hard for me to go to an inbox on any social media. First of all, I can't find the inbox on most of them because they're all, they hide them <laughs> under cute little icons, you know, what's wrong with putting the word inbox. But um, they, uh, I, I get people who write to me and send me resumes from everywhere um, because they've either seen the documentary, Weed the People or something. And they, they're like, I'm in, where do I sign up? How do I work for you? I'll work for free. Just tell me what I need to do. I want to join your company. (laughs) And, um, we, we have, you know, our original staff, we still have plus others that have joined us, of course. But, um, we, we have a, a, a kind of a philosophy of hire slow and fire fast you know? So, um, uh, when somebody does join us, they have, they know a lot about us before they join the company. And so they kind of take the job away from us more than we offer it to them. In fact, uh, the first assistant I had who went on to do patient care and now she's working with mystic brands, doing an amazing job with them. Um, uh, uh, I actually rang her up to let her know that she had not gotten the job. And she was like, no, no, I'm not accepting that. You have to, you have to hire me. You have to hire me. And I said, you know what? Okay. I'll give you 90 days. And she ended up moving up from Santa Barbara to, uh, the North North Bay, you know, in Sonoma County. And she's amazing. And she's been up here now for over five years. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. You mentioned that you previously had worked in the tech space, and I've heard a lot on this on this podcast talking to people, and they compare uh, the tech and the cannabis industries. Uh, Can you tell me whether or not that there is a comparison to be made there? You know, there is, but probably I don't know for what reason people are comparing it, and whether it's the same as my uh, perspective on this. What I see is. from, you know, no disrespect to all those people out there, but I see a lot of really stupid money in this space. The same stupid money that was throwing millions of dollars at kids in garages back in the tech day, early tech days. You know, it's that same kind of, you know, indiscriminate, I want in whatever that means without really digging in to see if they have any science or if they have any substance to the claims they're making, or if they're even collecting the right kind of data. Um, When I first started collecting data on this, you know, almost nine years ago now, uh, people told me I'd lost my mind. There was no such thing as collecting data around cannabis. And now you can't swing a cat without hitting, you know, (laughs) uh, somebody who's got a data company. Well, mainly because there wasn't really, um, like I said at the beginning, when I was trying to figure out how to turn cannabis into a medicine, and I don't mean a single molecule making it into Marinol uh, or an isolate. I meant how do we yeah. make this something that a doctor puts in the PD that's in the PDR, the physician desk reference, and when somebody comes in that has you know chronic you know pain, they are looking at opioids and they go, oh, oh, there's this other option here, you know, this combination of cannabinoids and terpenes that might work for you, that kind of thing. So when I did that, I was like, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I can lab test the products and see what's in them and then then track how it's being dosed, how it's being utilized, and, and, and then see what's working, not with subjective, you know, like, oh, I feel great or, oh, I feel sleepy. Yeah, that's nice to know. But how is it working at a cellular level? What's happening with your lab results and your scans if you have cancer, or your MRIs if you have, you know, inflammation, et cetera, around your 
spine. So, you know, I took a much more obviously process engineering approach to it. And in the, in now tech is catching up, but in those days it was, it was the, the comparison was the stupid money being thrown at it. And I think a lot of yeah. people have are licking their wounds now, especially the people that jumped out into the stock market a little bit too soon, um, thinking that that was the way to go. Um, and you saw that with a lot of early IPOs in, uh, in tech also. And they, you know, frequently ended up, you know, coming out with high expectations and then nothing there. Um, you know, let's look at the lesson of Theranos, <laughs> you know. Uh, and Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think that there's a lot of potential Theranos in cannabis. So, I mean, a lot of that stupid money is is. Uh being sort of put into the recreational side of things. Um, so, so why, you know, if, if that's where a lot of the money is going, and this isn't to say that, that the medical side is not getting, uh, you know, its own infusions, uh, why did you and still continue to focus on the medical sector rather than jump into this recreational side? You know, <laughs> that is, that, that's, I, of course, I'm asked that about 50 times a day, especially by investors. They're like, I'm well, sure. you're out of your mind. I'm like, yeah, let me chase the same uh, uh, pot piece of the pie that everybody else is chasing. It's, it's, it's not of any interest to me. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, I don't have a problem with people using it recreationally, do whatever you want, but I'm interested in creating solutions to help people suffering from, um, uh, from diseases, uh, whether that disease is, uh, you know, the, the trifecta of pain, sleep, and anxiety, or if it's PTSD, or I'm obviously have personal deep interest in cancers and, and, and things like that. So I'm not looking for what do you want to have as your Saturday night experience experience. And on the rec side, the, the, you know, there's, there's often people who start using cannabis recreationally once it's legalized, sure, who maybe were not as, as apt to do that previously. But in the, for the most part, uh, the data that I've seen shows that, that the rec user was already using it and it's not like, oh gosh, now that it's legal, I'm going to go from my go from wine to weed. It doesn't necessarily translate that way. So the population isn't getting bigger of a rec user by a significant uh, uh, number. Take that and juxtapose that against the fact that there's seven billion people on this planet and all their cats and dogs, and everybody has an endocannabinoid system, and everybody gets sick, right? So I'm looking at this yeah. as a much longer term uh, focus on the fact that, you know, the typical Aunt Zelda's patient, right? They figure we get them set up on which particular type of medicine is going to work best for them. And they order the same thing month after month after month after month. You go to your average recreational uh person. There's no brand loyalty. They walk in, they want to know what's the newest, what's the latest, what's the, you know, you're constantly having to create a new skew to keep their attention. And it's always what's on sale. My people are like, I'm sick. I need an answer. So I think that the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is a lot bigger industry than the beverage industry, for example, the, the, the alcohol industry. So I'm I'm going with pharma not to be part of it, but to uh, really to take it and transform it and create a paradigm shift in the medical community. 
That's that's really uh, that's really interesting, really eye opening. You know, because a, a lot of the the people that I talked to, they started in medical, obviously, because that's where the industry began, and they were really excited to move to recreational uh, for the opportunities. And so, sort of this longer term vision that you have, uh, I, I think is I think it's very unique uh, amongst the people that that I've spoken to uh, on this show and at. at events and, and that sort of thing. Um, in some states, uh, you know, they have sort of created different rules uh, for the recreational and the medical side of things. Uh, no taxation, uh, you know, but you also have to, in, in these places, you might have to split the sales uh, at a dispensary. Um, in your opinion, should there be different rules for these markets? 100%. 100% there needs to be different rules because the the medical user um, let's the, the typical the typical Aunt Zelda's medical user. Let's just take um, I don't even know what that lo- looks like at this point. Uh, however, this is a person who has an ailment, and they're going to have to spend a lot more money than somebody coming in to buy some you know cheap pre rolls. All right, this is people that are spending hundreds of dollars a month, sometimes thousands of dollars a month, on staying alive or on helping to treat something that's severely debilitating. Shouldn't they, I mean, do you pay tax when you go to the pharmacy counter to pick up your prescriptions? Right. You do, you do do when you pick up a candy bar and put it on the counter to go with it. The candy bar is taxed, but the, but the pharmaceutical isn't. So why should the, somebody who's sick and using this as a medicine why should they have to pay taxes on it? Um, it's, it just creates a parity for cannabis as a medicine to a pharmaceutical. Do you have any sort of suggestions or, or insight as to how uh, patients can maintain sort of maintain their 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 spot as as qualified patients in many states when you see recreational come out you see a, a massive uh, decline in in medical users is there any way to uh, prevent that from happening at all in, in your estimation you know i i would um challenge that that there actually is not a reduction what you're seeing a reduction in is the number of people who are bothering to get this card when they could just walk into any dispensary, it's worth it to them to not have to go through the going to a doctor, getting registered, going through, and then being in some database, potentially showing they're a cannabis user when they can just walk into a dispensary and buy it. The shame is the dispensary is not, it's not clicking in the dispensary owner's brains or the buyer's brains that Oh yeah, these people are coming in here and they don't have a card so you know we're looking at them as wreck. They're just a medical patient that didn't bother to get a card. And the problem is they're not having the access to the types of products in many cases that they need. I did a I did a um uh kind of an undercover boss kind of thing walking into it. I went I went into a couple dispensaries recently down in uh uh, Orange County um, that I was I had been told were oh these are very medical uh, meaning lot you know lots of patients go there so I walked up to one of the uh, bud tenders the young lady uh, behind the counter and I said you know I've got this friend and she's just found out that she's really sick she has cancer and she's really scared and she doesn't want know what to do what would you tell her to to do what to use and the response was 
Well, it depend on what experience. I mean, she could, you know, does she want like a cream or, you know, she could like, we have these gummy bears or she could, you know, smoke this. And I'm like, we're talking about somebody with cancer. First of all, she doesn't know what she wants. She needs you to tell her what she needs. Oh, uh, uh, and I was like, oh God, that is so sad. <laughs> that is so sad that that's, that's the, what's happened when things go wreck to the, you know, not that it was much better with the education of bud tenders before, because in so many places, especially in California, it was kind of wink, wink medical, Yeah, you know, yeah. versus real medical. Um, so when I talk medical, I'm not talking whether the law says medical or the law says adult use, or they have a card or don't. I'm talking medical from the, in terms of the intention of the user. Are they intending to use this for a medical purpose? Are they intending to use this to enhance their, their evening or their fun or their, you know, whatever. So it's all about the intention when I separate out the two, not the industries. Huh? That's, that's really interesting. I mean, I had a, I had a very similar experience at a, at a rec dispensary in uh, Massachusetts. I'd actually, you know, went in there, I had gone to a dispensary in Canada, couple of months ago and uh they were very knowledgeable very very helpful uh, even though it's basically just flour up there right now but and i was asking about some uh some concentrates uh that they had had and and the person couldn't even really uh tell me how it was produced uh which which i found kind of disconcerting um you know and that's just from a recreational stamp recreational standpoint so so your point is is very well taken uh, about your experience i want to talk to you briefly about uh your ted talk uh I think they're wonderful. I love TED Talks. Um, and, you know, in it, early in the beginning of it, when you're sort of discussing your path, uh, you talk about previously viewing someone as uh, a Waken Baker as, as a, quote, <laughs> drug user. Um, yes. and, and I'm not holding that against you at all. I, I'm just wondering how you came around to changing your opinion of cannabis. Right. Uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind is I'm 60 years old. All right. So I, I come from a little bit of a different time period. You know, I, I smoked cannabis, you know, I didn't know the word cannabis, you know, but I smoked cannabis back in the, in, in the, in the early seventies, <laughs> you know, and tried it, didn't really like it, made me feel paranoid. I mean, i I fit into that category of people, you know, it was like, eh, nah, I don't like this and, and moved on with my life. Um, and then, I had uh, experiences with a lot of addiction in my own family. And I, I made the leap that the people who smoked cannabis also were the people who were using harder drugs. And uh, I've come to even have a different view now on other drugs. So my, 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 I keep expanding and growing. It's like, as I always like to say, uh, when I know better, I do better. And, you know, I know what I know today, but I might learn something tomorrow or later today that completely changes that. And I'm open to this, right? So this was the information I had to go on at the time. And, um, the, the woman who had, uh, I was, had referred to as awakened Baker. Uh, I mean, I have, I owe her a life of uh, uh, gratitude because, uh, she, she helped to change my mind. Uh, she, she had told me she was making brownies for her, uh, at the time, uh, boyfriend for his severe neck pain 
And so like pop brownies, like, like, like we had in the seventies that were disgusting where people just stuck flour, (laughs) ground flour in, in, in these disgusting brownies. Nobody likes, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, okay, that sounds gross. And, um, she had told me about this and, um, then she came to visit, uh, me and my home and I had sent her out to the garage to smoke. And, um, I am a, uh, a chronic pain um, you know, I hate to cr- uh, categorize myself and, and own disease, but chronic pain is something I deal with on a daily basis. And it okay. happened to be one of those days when I was like, you know, level eight or more pain. Wow. And, you know, I had sent her out to the garage to smoke and cause I didn't want it in my house. And I went out there to keep her company. And she said, you know, you know, just, just, take a puff. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I took two puffs off her little hello kitty pipe. And, uh, my pain went from an eight to about a two. And I was like, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You have, I was so angry. I was so (laughs) mad that nobody had told me that this was an option. And my husband, who has now been sober 31 years, he needed to have back surgery and he wasn't willing to have it because he didn't want to go on opioids. So we started investigating whether cannabis, you know, triggered the phenomenon of craving the way alcohol and opioids did. And, you know, we just kind of started really digging into it and was like, oh my God, this is, this is like, there's so much hope here we got to do something. We got to, we got to figure this out. And that, well, you know, that's kind of what I said. And that, that was the big shift. The big shift was understanding that cannabis was different. And, um, I've also come to understand a, a lot of other drug use and the fact that, you know, drug, by the way, has a bad, uh, pejorative sense to it, but it's actually, it's, it's, it's just really about healing. Um, and people that use, you know, man, kind or humankind and animals have been seeking mind altering experiences since before recorded history. So it's really no different. It's just when it's out of control, that it's a problem, that it's an issue, but general use of drugs can be quite expansive. I mean, to your point, we, we've, we have examples of bears in the wild who will uh, basically hoard apples until they turn into hard cider. Uh, just a very interesting sort of thing. And, and I want to ask you, my, my, my dad's 61. My mom is, what am I, 35? She's, she's 55. My parents, you know, uh, they, and they both have actually used cannabis basically, you know, the, their entire lives. Um, and, and so they've always been very open about cannabis. You know, I, I used with my mother for the first time when I was about 15, uh, you know, just sort of give you an idea. Uh, what do you think it's, it's going to take to bring sort of the older generation on board. I mean, I do know that, that we do see a shift happening that as rec uh, rolls out that, that more, uh, you know, people 60 and older are using cannabis. Uh, what's, what's, what do you think could help change the mind of, of a generation that, you know, is still predominantly not pro cannabis? Right. I mean, we all grew up on reefer madness. I mean, let's, let's not forget that, you know, I mean, that was, that was the message and, uh, and we didn't know any better. And when we did try it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're very fortunate that you were exposed to it in a healthy manner. Um, I, you know, I grew up in tech in Texas, so it was basically Mexican ditch weed. 
that we were smoking. Yeah. It was disgusting. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't even believe it. You know, you had to sit there with a shoebox getting rid of all the seeds and stems to find some of the trim. <laughs> you know, and that's about what we, of course, now I wish I had some of those seeds. Anyway, but um, <laughs> as far as what we could do, um, I think I'm doing it. I think that uh, that's exactly what I do is, I mean, I, I travel and lecture all over the world, you know, educating the medical community and the uh, and, and the public and patients. I gave a talk in Buenos Aires last week, and it was the first uh, event of its kind. And uh, they had uh, 50, 56,000 people through there in three days. And 30, no yeah, and 30% of the participants were over, or the attendees were over 60. Think about that. A third of the population was over 60. So the message is getting out. You know, I go and I talk to senior communities. I think one of the things that's really, really, oh yeah, I talk to a lot of them. I go, I mean, it's like, you know, I come from a place of yes. You know, if you need me and I can be of service, you know, I, I'll do it. Like there's a place over in the East Bay in, uh, uh, you know, California, it's called Rossmore. And I've been going out there since, I gosh, early 2012 on at least an annual basis. And, you know, I'll speak to, you know, two to 400 people and, you know, this over, uh, over 65 community. And so, I mean, we got lots of people using Aunt Zelda's over at Rossmore. <laughs> and there's, I mean, it's like, and, and the thing about it is, is if you can help as senior um, to have a positive initial experience. That's the key because the saddest thing is when people my age or people of any age, really, um, they'll try cannabis and they'll have a negative first experience because they had that bud tender telling them to try this gummy bear. That's got a hundred milligrams, of some idiotic, you know, dose in it or 10, whatever it is. Now they're 10 is a limit for one item. Thank goodness. Um, but people would have this horrible initial experience and then they would say, Oh, I tried cannabis. No, it's not for me. So what I look to do is to help people to understand how to, how to use cannabis in such a way that you start with a very, very low dose and you increase extremely slowly. Uh, topicals are probably the safest and easiest point of entry for the average uh, person because, uh, you know, you're going to feel better if it's an, a good product uh, without actually having experiencing any of, you know, mind altering experiences, even though I think, you know, frankly, it's nice to have your mind altered from time to time, expanded. But uh, um, uh, that's the easiest form of entry. I also think that, you know, very, very low dose uh, infused oils, uh, tinctures, I'm not a big fan of edibles, especially for the elderly because of the inconsistency of how they activate and how long they take to activate. Um, I think that they're better when they go through something that's a sublingual, you know, under the tongue or, you know, or in the cheek or in the buckle, et cetera. Um, but those are really the best way to alleviate some of the uh, negative. How did you end up identifying uh, you know, the, the, the 65 and older communities, like, like who was it that said you need to go talk to, you know, the, this, uh, this demographic, I'm very interested in this. Uh, I think they sent me an email. <laughs> I think they really? said, yeah, I think they said, uh, my son said that you're, were, oh, I know what it was. The answer, our answering service, uh, is, uh, owned by the son 
of the woman who manages or managed, I don't know if she still does, the cannabis club. I think she still does. And at, the, at this uh, uh, over, you know, senior community. And I think he told her about it. And then she contacted me. I think that's how it happened. Um, oh, God knows really? it was a long time ago. It was, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, word of mouth. I mean, the interesting thing is I've never, you know, bought an ad, put out a press release, you know, uh, you know, paid to play, sponsored a booth, none of that stuff. I'm just busy, busy head down making good medicine and, and taking care of people and collecting the data. But people talk. When people find something that works for them, uh, they 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 shout it from the rooftops. You know, I have an experience from years ago uh, down at uh, Brzezinski's clinic down in, I believe it's in Houston. Um, there's a lot of cancer patients are down there. And one of the people in the waiting room happened to be uh, someone who was a, a patient of ours. And... Um, she started talking about what she was using and how well she was doing and getting better. And the next thing we knew, we had 12 new patients who all <laughs> were also patients of the Brzezinski Clinic. So, you know, it's like, I mean, word of mouth. I mean, people talk and with social media now, it's even it's even crazier how people hear and that, you know, I get requests from, you know, Siberia. I just had one from Bangladesh the other day um, from all over the Seriously. world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, the Bangladesh one, uh, I, I want to give a shout out to, and a thank you to the type of company that Magical Butter is, because uh, I contacted them and said, they have access to flour, but there's no way that, that nobody knows how to make it. And Mag could you guys send them a machine? And Magical Butter, like within uh, two days, had sent this uh, family that was trying to treat their father's cancer uh, a magical butter machine. So not only can he make medicine for himself, he can make it for other people to help them too. Wow. Um, when you, when you, how, how do I put this? Are, are people sort of surprised when it's you that walks into a room? I mean, I know that, I, I know that, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, female CEOs, uh, you know, in the space, not, not as many, uh, you know, I guess that rate's actually gone down in the last couple of years, but uh, are, are, do people walk in like, I wasn't expecting, you know, a 60 year old woman. Uh, what kind of room are you talking about? <laughs> I, mean, no, I just yeah. wonder if that happens to you. Um, I, at this point, I don't walk into a lot of rooms in the business where people don't know that it's already me. Um, I mean, not that I'm such big deal, but I mean, as far as like, you know, most of the time people have had seen my picture somewhere. So they know I'm older. What about when you first started? Well, when I first started, I was 50 <laughs> instead of 60 <laughs> for starters. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, I think that there was a little bit of that, but, but the thing about it is, is if you look at the old timers that the, the, you know, the real heart and soul of cannabis and, and, and the people who have been doing it in, in the Emerald Triangle of California for years and years, they're my age and older. You know, they're the, the people, the, the women who were making tinctures for their family and their neighbors, the growers who were also making, you know, uh, ethanol extracts to, you know, to help other people and to, you know, all the underground stuff. This is all people that would have been doing this for 30, 40 years, you know, and multi-generational. So I wasn't any different. Um, I was just what I, what made me different and what made them, 
suspicious of me, I guess you could say at the beginning was I was talking about it as a medicine. I was talking about it as straight science. Um, and I was, you know, to me, it's all chemistry. And uh, I think that cannabis has the promise to heal our planet uh, in, in so many ways, it's, I don't you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, it is. <laughs> right? but I, I have not approached this the same way. And they were like, you know, who's this person coming in trying to talk about data and science and chemistry. I just, you know, when I first talked about lab testing, um, a lot, I got a lot of pushback from people saying, I don't need some lab to tell me what's in it. I know how it makes me feel. I can smell it and know. And you know what? They're right. But that's not scalable, you know? And that's not yeah. something that's going to work for someone who doesn't know. I mean, I don't know how to smell something and know. I mean, I know I can smell something and know what's going to be bad for me because I've gotten used to being able to identify those terpenes. But I've been doing this yeah. a long time now. You know, the average person needs more than that. So they were my contemporaries in age, but, you know, I came from tech, I'm from Texas, I'm all this, you know, I can't, you know, I don't even grow tomato plants, uh, nonetheless, you know, so, uh, so it was just a, it, you know, I had to convince them that I was in this and to help them which I, which I, hopefully I am, I'm giving credibility and validation to their hard work. It, you have an absolutely incredible story. Uh, and, and I would love to sit here and, and talk to you for another 40 minutes, uh, just, just about it. Um, but, but we don't have that kind of time. I, I want to wrap up by, by asking what advice would you have, uh, for entrepreneurs who, who might be looking to enter the space and, and, and focus on the medical side of it? Uh, I, I want, I, I would suggest that anyone that's interested, look at what they're already doing and what their skill set is that they already have, and then see where that role exists within cannabis, because I will guarantee you it does. Um, there's almost no part of our GDP that you can look at that doesn't have, and I'm not talking about granddaddy purple, I'm talking about the gro gross domestic <laughs> product um, here when I say GDP, um, that, I mean, there's, there's hardly any roles that uh, people are doing out there, whether it's an accountant or a branding or a, uh, a school teacher or a, a chemist or you name it, uh, whatever the role is, there's a role somewhere in cannabis because cannabis touches every part of it. If you're interested specifically in the medical, see where your, your skill set can go. But understand that the medical play is a longer play. Um, I feel like on the rec side, the people that are uh, entering that, it's very short term. They're looking for their quick exit, you know, their ROI, quarterly reports, what's happening now. In the medical side, you're looking to really change the world with a complete paradigm shift in the way that people treat their bodies and their diseases. And that's including the wellness side of it that's the keeping he healthy people staying healthy as their intention. So I think that there's room for almost every skill set you're already doing. And, you know, go to shows like 
New West Summit. Go to, you know, go to, you know, join NCIA, National Cannabis Industry Association. Look at some of the, you know, the sponsors and membership and, and, and then just start, you know, join, go to LinkedIn. I was looking for somebody the other day about medical tourism. I went to my, uh, to LinkedIn and I went into my contacts and I just typed in medical tourism and somebody who had written to me back in 2016 about something came up and we've now had a conversation and we're now whatever. So there's a group on there, whatever you're interested in, in the medical side, there's going to be a group in, in like LinkedIn for you to find. Super cool. Uh, I don't, I don't use LinkedIn. I have a very slim social media, uh, profile, but, uh, that's, that's very good, uh, for, for potential entrepreneurs to know that, uh, where can people find out, uh, more about you, more about Aunt Zelda, Zelda, Zelda Therapeutics, Cal Spring Wellness, where, where can people get all the information? Uh, Aunt Zelda's is just auntzeldas.org, A-U-N-T-Z-E-L-D-A-S, uh, Zelda Therapeutics, same thing. If you can spell therapeutics, <laughs> hopefully you can, <laughs> it says, it's a dot com. Um, the oil plant, we, you know, we have a placeholder website, but it's really just a, it's just where we manufacture. So everybody reaches us through Aunt Zelda's um, and, and you can reach out there. And Calis Spring Wellness, same thing, CalisPringWellness.com. There is no S, it's Calis Spring, single spring, not multiples. And um, uh, that's, that's about it uh, on where to find us. We're on, you know, social media. I'm not real good at it. I uh, don't have a lot of time, but, you know, eventually uh, uh, somebody does get back to whoever reaches out. Uh, so that's, that, that's the best thing. But AntZeldas.org is kind of the gateway uh, to reach everybody through the support there. Brilliant. Uh, this has been Mara Gordon. She's the co-founder of California-based Aunt Zelda, Zelda Therapeutics, the oil plant, uh, and Cala Spring Wellness. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come on the podcast, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, have another conversation in the future. You're, you're really great, uh, really, really great stuff. Well, I would enjoy that. Thank you, TG. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. Uh, you can download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brandfault. Thank you.